Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Okay, so Chris has been looking at the numbers. He, he's he been raging for two weeks. He's a, He was at Fort Lauderdale, or where was he? Um, some, some, <laughs> Dude. Some, some trashy you know where, Florida place. You know where, wait, yeah, you know where pale white guys go to uh, to vacation? Yeah. Uh, Cyprus, break? Uh, then there's Tenerife. <laughs> no, <laughs> fucking Seattle. Dude, it was 40 fucking degrees in Seattle, dude. It was overcast the entire time. Absolutely wonderful, dude. That's that's exactly where oh, I need man. to be during spring break. Not Mexico, not Acapulco, mm -hmm. nothing. Rest, like that. I'm resting your German Seattle. German jeans over there. <laughs> well, my I so, yeah, so right. I had a buddy visiting last, this weekend from Seattle. He said it was snowing last week. <laughs> oh yeah, it was insane. It was like a huge cold snap, right? So like we just got fucking. Yeah, bamboozled. bamboozled. Because it's supposed to be like San Francisco, like 60, 65 degrees. I don't know. It's right, amazing but, weather. So, it's freezing. Okay, so let's just, so Eric let's, was just screaming at me. Yeah. And uh, he's ready to go. He's primed. So Eric, what do you got? What's what are we yeah. what are we kicking off with? Look, every time I listen to the podcast that I'm not on, I just actually tear my hair out. Actually, I didn't listen to the whole thing last time, so I was so frustrated, right? First of all, the sensor tower report about 
about the market data, the only thing it didn't mention, and the only thing that matters is the fact that Apple created a huge problem with privacy and created a fucking big problem for downloads. And now we're seeing the, the, we're seeing the results, right? Q1 is a fucking train wreck across the board, right? And, and I don't understand like how that was not mentioned, not only for Census Tower's report, but you guys didn't mention it either as a, as a reason. I did, but it's not, it's yeah. not, you know, yeah. Census Tower number said it was like 13% down year over year. How could that possibly be different? Your mic's off. Seifert, we lost. Yeah, you're, it sounds like you're down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to go. No, no, no. We did, I did say, I did say Q1's been bad. Q1's been bad. Q1's been bad relative to previous Q1s on the, on the relative Q4 to Q1 basis, but it's not down 15% year over year. How could that possibly be true? It is down. Year over year, not, not well, quarter not of quarter. The- so the Census Tower report said Q1 2022 is down 15% or something on Android year over year. So compared to Q1 2021, that would be insane. That, that's, that's, that seems like totally, that seems like it breaks the laws of physics. <laughs> well, I guess what I would say is when you have downloads down for the last like four, six months, this is what happens, right? It's like, it's a very simple equation. Right, it's like the less traffic you have in a store, the less revenue you're going to get. Right? I mean, it's like that simple. Right? And so, if Apple, in their fucking infinite wisdom, destroys the means by which of driving customers to the store, then guess what happens? Like, you actually lose revenue ultimately. Right? And so, that whether or not what's what's really interesting, the reason, the point, the reason I was going to go with all these numbers is it's not really even if it's. 5%, 10%, 12%, whatever, right? If it's down, it's down uh, compared to a clip of up 20% every goddamn year for the last like decade, right? So we're talking about the differential, the swing of change in this quarter is so dramatic. It's like a 20 to 20, 30% swing for most of these the major genres, right? And that's primarily because of Apple, right? And their draconian policies, right? And so that's what wasn't really part of the discussion last week or not not enough. I mean, Sensor Tower, obviously, they, they have to like, you know, be political all they can. But this, this impact, the impact is being felt and it's going to get worse, right? As we get more deprecation of, you know, IDFA or more, you know, fingerprinting removal, all this stuff is going to create a situation in which we're not going to get the people downloading the right shit, right? And so the last point I'll make, and then we'll move on, because I think we have talked about this the last three podcasts, is that even he, what should happen in theory is downloads should start to improve if people adjust to the new world order, right? In theory, anyway. And so, but the problem is that we're going to be blasting it out into a much more broader spectrum of people, right? And so, so in essence, what's going to happen is that you're going to basically be targeting fucking dollar store people and sending them to Louis Vuitton, right? And no one's going to buy shit. So the, the, even if the downloads start to improve over the next like six to 12 months, right? You're still not going to have the people coming into the right games, right? And spending, right? So revenue should still continue to falter, right? That you're not going to, they're not going to be able to adjust fast enough to figure this out is what I think is going to happen. So anyway, I think we are in a, in a very tough spot, right? From an industry perspective and and it's just going to get worse, right? As soon as you know, fingerprinting gets removed, and App Love and Iron Source and and the you know the rest of those fools are going to get destroyed. So what? I don't know. Oh, but I, so it's just a couple, a couple of things. One is we'll know soon, right? Earnings are happening right now, so we'll know. 
Um, the other thing yeah, was the other exactly. thing was my point. Yes, I agree. I mean, I've obviously said previously that ATT was gonna be a disaster, right? Like, no, no one. Yeah, trust me. Like, I, I'm with you there. Like, I, you know, I've made that point many times. But the the, the point that I was making last week was that what so the sensor tower numbers showed was that Android had a much bigger sort of decrease, again, Q1 year over year than Apple did, right? So then what explains that? Because the Apple, I think they, they called the, the revenue uh, decrease for Q1, again, year over year on iOS at like 5%. And they called it on, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Android, it was something like 15. So that's what I said, didn't pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I buy a 5%, maybe I buy a 5% year over year on, 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 on Apple. But on Android, what explains that? That just didn't make any sense, right? So, the, but we'll we'll yeah, know soon. Actually, I, I I wanted to talk to you about that particular point because I heard ideas that when Facebook starts to, got removed from the equation, the overall spend was impacted not only for Apple but also for Google, right? But I don't really quite understand that dynamic. But like, if, but we can talk about it offline. I I, I want to understand that a little bit. Better. What I, what um, I would anyway. I, my, Again, my frustration was like the, the the lack of like clarity around the reasons, right? Not 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 the absolute number change, right? If you know, and so like that's that was my big thing. So yeah, sure. Yeah, just, I, I, here's, here's what I think we do. I, I think I think uh, I don't know when we're I don't know what the release dates are for all the companies, but I think we look at Zynga. We look at uh, EA doesn't break out mobile in in earnings, do they? Yes. Okay. They so do. Let's look at Zynga, EA Mobile, Playtica. Who else? Let's just index a couple of these companies and just look at revenue and then compare yeah. to the sensor tower reports. It just, it, the numbers seemed, and I, I couldn't justify how they came to, I was trying to justify how they might have come to those estimates. I couldn't do it. And, and, and I was doing it in real right. time while we were recording the podcast. It wasn't like robust analysis, but let me do that. I'll do that when these numbers come out and we'll compare them. Yeah. And just to, yeah. Just to uh, right. remind mean, everybody that, that sensor tower is updating the number. So they're doing a restatement of Google Play revenue. And that should be happening. It, it, I think it already happened this week or the week before. So I got a message from Sensor Tower since Eric, both of it, like, no, especially Mr. Seward has been calling them out, doing the, uh, the sniff tests out, over dude. here. No, 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 <laughs> you didn't call them out. You just basically said it doesn't pass the smell test, which is yeah. uh, correct. And they smelled it as well. And they said that's well, true. It, and now they're doing a restatement. And I really would love to see what app Annie has because I don't have access to the full data set. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with that company. Oh, you. Yeah. What you're ta you're talking about? Data.ai. Data.ai. <laughs> I'm not calling them data AI. <laughs> they could eat it. Um, all right. Uh, oh, my my Elden Ring update. Um, it was funny. Let's get the hard, hard hitting topics. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the one that is keeping people white knuckled. So, <laughs> I still can't play that fucking game, right? So it's not for me, right? At all, right? But, but I watched my son play this thing to the end. And I, and I, I don't know if I said this before, but my son is the biggest sporty spice dude ever, right? And he fucking hates fantasy and he hates RPGs, right? So the fact that this guy sat there and played 100 hours of this stupid freaking game is important to understand, right? And so he he beat the final boss with a, with a, with the overpowered bleed build. <laughs> Come on, got man. got nerfed today, actually. <laughs> don't use the, don't use the bleed build. Come on, actually play the game. Come on, man. 
Yeah, fuck off, dude. That's that's part of the game, dude. The rules are set, dude. The like, rules he, are he, set. He, he, Go he, online, Google best oh, build man. possible, and use the bleed build. God Come damn on. right, dude. That's how you optimize. So I, I right. use the I use the colossal sword. So like, think 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 uh, Final Fantasy VII level sword, right up in the face of the boss, and I beat it two weeks ago. You know, 60, 60 something hours in. Right, Man. that's that's white knuckle. Holy! How did shit. you have sixty <laughs> hours with a newborn? That's insane. I'm, I'm listening. Like you have two kids, you had sixty <laughs> hours. Let's, let's not let's not talk about the loss of sleep, dude. Elden Ring. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so you're like, look, the game is. So you're like, hey, I could sleep today, or I'll stay up all night <laughs> playing Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I, like I, I came out on top. The game is. <laughs> But I, I have to admit, like watching my son play was actually far more entertaining than trying to play it myself because I would pretty much, you know, tear, again tear my hair out. But um, the left, you know, the hair that I have left. But, but anyway, the point is, uh, the game was amazing, really deep, and like I have to admit, like it is a pretty pretty amazing game. But yeah, once you kill that last boss, it seems like you know game over. But hopefully they'll bring out some expansions and have some content for it. So. Awesome. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but um, I think I think Sony should buy From Software. Is that possible? Like, is Frost From Software is under Bandai Namco? Is there like an investment deal there? Or anything? I don't. I don't. I, I don't know the structure of it. Yeah, but like honestly. Sony's like it's a Japanese company, From Software. Sony seems to be in the best place to do it. Now, From Software has proven that they could get to you know serious unit numbers, like Bethesda style units, right? So. Mm-hmm. Is it that crazy to say Sony go buy from software and give them a space to build Elden Ring every, you know, every so big years, like four or five years? I mean, it totally it totally fits within the profile, yeah. right? And and the games that have done well this year are all action-adventure open-world games, right? Horizon and Elden Ring. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to see uh, uh, the Bethesda game this week, This sorry, in, in November. So it's going to be a big year for these action adventure single player style games you know so yeah fuck you software as a service right like the biggest games this year are gonna be action adventure open software as a service anyway out uh, man content is in <laughs> premium releases let's go yes uh once we yeah once we get to the advertising portion <laughs> like, anyway whatever. Yep. that's that's the future Anyway, is the advertising, I suppose. All right, let me. Th- um, all right, that's okay. it. Okay, well, let me. me let me do. Oh, yeah. One more update. Go ahead. That no one cares about, but I'm going to say anyway. My son's basketball team is top three in the West Coast uh, for sixth graders. They just fucking destroyed these people in in in, in LA, um, and uh, and and now they're ranked in 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 the West Coast. Awesome! Congrats. Well, My son is. Yeah, you're up. you're raising a baller um yes well at least for yeah. now <laughs> um yeah so uh some some updates uh sonic the hedgehog is coming to a new platform roblox it actually came already so sega of america teamed up with roblox developer game fam to release a licensed oh, sonic the hedgehog game from on the roblox platform and ceo of game fam joseph friend how do you pronounce this last name friends Ferens? No idea. God damn it. Joe, uh, let me know how you pronounce your name. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Uh, they, they, he said that uh, our Sonic game hit number five in peak concurrent today with 100,000 CCUs, 
We finally did it, an original super hit Roblox game from our own little studio. He also added a note. I don't know if I should say this, but he had a note. Uh, Please tell Cress to only say nice things about me. I'm just a humble, hardworking gaming executive trying to make some good fucking games. I don't know if this was a part of it. So What did I say? I said nothing but nice things yeah. about him. I really like, I respect him, dude. The guy's like, he's he's a badass, yeah, I mean, right? Man, he's just all exactly. in. And then for Joe and everybody who's sending these messages, you have to understand that Cress would roast his own mother if she would be working in <laughs> games. <laughs> probably true there's no favoritism at all that's that's not nice but yeah okay what here now obviously i'm going to say something really nasty right now where's the juice uh, mom where's the juice mom (laughs) dude roblox is getting fucking annihilated out there though you know like the stock went down to 36 dollars today dude it's 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 a train wreck this netflix uh snafu in terms of finally losing subscribers percent today you see that I know it's brutal, dude. It's brutal, but I think I think it's more of a Netflix overhang, right? What's uh, the, what do you mean Netflix? I mean, the Roblox problem. What's is, a Netflix overhang from what? Well, the, the 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 subscription model is is having some challenges over there at Netflix, right? <laughs> so, like, I think the idea is that uh, these type of models are going to be more of a challenge going forward than people hope. And Net- right? Netflix is down um, too. If they can't have subscriber growth, and that, that and this is what's going to happen with Roblox is that if they can't grow. And they haven't been able to grow the last few months, um, year over year. Then, then it's not worth what it they said it was worth. It's worth a lot less, you know. So Ooh, Netflix is anyway, down thirty six percent. Yeah, they missed wow. big time. Wow, they missed big because all that money. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I hope so. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we should see the same thing on App Loving, right? With their their. Uh, Apple is down six percent um, today. They're almost at one half uh, of the debut price. They're at forty six fifty nine. They debuted yeah. at eighty. Yeah, let's move on. I've invested yeah. in all these companies. I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a long term investor. It's just the ebb and the flow, man. You got to have uh, you got to have faith when you make these. Investments. Yeah, that's why I don't look at the stock every day. But but now that you said Netflix, no, is but there. I. Uh, no, I love dude, to fucking read. Yeah. I love to look at it. I love oh to God. look at it because that tests my conviction, right? Mm. That's a test. That's a test of your thesis. You see that stock yeah. down. You're like, am I going to hold? Or am I going to double down? I'm going to dump. You're holding. I'm All right, man. Buy that no, dip, go right to the moon. We go. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, you guys are going to. No, I'm not saying. Yes, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying in this particular case. I'm just saying in general. If I have a thesis about something, I've got conviction. I don't mind seeing the daily fluctuations. Right, because if it's down, that's just that that ca- that causes me to to reassess my thesis. I'm not saying any. I don't own any of these stocks. I don't own any of these stocks. I don't care about. Them. I understand that, but the the the, the thing, what's going on right now is not some kind of adjustment of of uh, temporary adjustment. These stocks are getting freaking destroyed. You know, Arc Investments is down like sixty percent year to date. Right, it's like this. This is like Armageddon for these people that have been speculating on this bullshit, right? And 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 bringing up these valuations to these companies that have no business having these valuations. Unity, AppLove, and Stillfront, Embracer, Roblox, like Netflix, fuck, like stop, right? Like this has like been the exuberance of the market for the last like two or three years. It's insane, right? And so now everyone's getting clobbered as they should, right? Because these these things, all things are overvalued at this stage. Well, so anyway, they've got to, right, revisit, they've got to re- revisit their theses. Well, actually, what? Speaking of which, 
Speaking of which, huge games, right? Yeah. This is the next subject, right? These guys never should have gone public. They're too small. They're not interesting, right? They're stock yes, press, just Can I just give lead it? Like, can I warm? Yeah, can I just warm the listeners a little bit before you? Just you're gonna get. In? You're gonna get. You're gonna get me punched next time I go to GDC, man. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So since we're talking you're, about you're gonna need yeah, a but it's not gonna need a bodyguard at GDC when we move. When we move GDC to Austin, when we move GDC to Austin, everyone's packing heat. Crest is gonna need a bodyguard. <laughs> no, I am not. I'm not. I'm not discussing the quality of the companies. What I'm saying is the value of the companies is too high. Right. So my buddy Brad just went to went to Roblox and I applaud that move. I think he went from Zynga to Roblox. That is a good move. Like, because I think Roblox is far more interesting and more opportunities to learn. And it's a better company than Zynga, right? In general. Like, so I applaud that move. And anybody that went to Roblox, I would say, go for it, right? And actually it's a good time since the stock is down like fucking 80%, you know? Um, so, but anyway, it's not the question of the quality of the company. It's just a question of value. Yeah. All right, okay. moving on. Yeah, damn, I looked at my stock. Yeah, the Netflix is down. <laughs> Thanks for that. Wait, wait, uh, so I want to, I wanna, I wanna, can we, let me just kind of revisit something I said last mm-hmm. week because a couple of people asked me about it. So I was talking about, hey, there's these high growth private companies. When you come in right after, uh, you know, a, noun, a round is announced, big valuation, eye-popping valuation, you're seeing it on VentureBeat, whatever you think, that's a great company to join. Look at that, big valuation. You've really got a question like, is that valuation working for you or against you in this environment? Right, because there, there's a there's a uh, a re-rating happening, and these private companies, if you come in right after that big valuation, that eye-popping number, and you think, well, I'm working for a multi-billion-dollar company. If all these private companies, all the public companies are getting re-rated, all the private companies, the re-ratings are more extreme because when they're private, the volatility is greater. And so, if you just joined a company and the 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 valuation was three, four billion, you're thinking, I'm coming in, I'm getting, a, they're giving me a million dollars of equity that's going to invest over four years, if that company's valuation gets slashed by 50%, you're not. Because then, then there's the risk, the added risk on top of that, that the company never goes liquid, right? So you've got to adjust, 100, 100%. you've got to adjust that number by how is this, how, what are the growth prospects? And then what is the, what is the probability that this company goes to a liquid place? Like the IPO, they get acquired, right? Now, the reason I brought that up and the reason I'm bringing it up today is we all heard about, and again, I don't know anybody at this company, I'm sure it's a great company, right? But the company that makes uh, NBA Top Shot, Right, mm-hmm. big eye popping valuation. They get Depper. They got um, you know all that all the press talking about wow they raised this big, you know they raised a huge amount of money at this big eye popping valuation. Did you know the trading volume is down ninety for ninety five percent from peak? <laughs> Oof. of course it is. But that's the thing. It's like that, I just it's just it's just it's just something to think about. Like if you're in a position where a startup's courting you and they're going to give you a VP whatever job at a company that look our valuation is this we just raised this much money. You have to think about the broader market environment, and then you have to adjust that by the probability that there's ever a liquidity event, right? And that's that's kind. Of, I just wanted to circle back on this point because those articles never get written. The hey, trading volumes down ninety percent, ninety five percent from peak. Those articles never get written. You're gonna get you're gonna get uh, uh, hypnotized by the big eye popping valuation that you see in the headline, and you're never gonna hear about. You, we don't ever hear about the, re, the you know the re rates that happen as a result of trading volume being down ninety five percent. I just I wanted to circle back on that because I think it's an important point. A couple of people asked me what I meant. That's what I meant. If you're in a growth stage private company and the raising the time to join is probably not after the huge raise. It's got to be at some point before that, right? So that you you realize some of that appreciation. Because keep in mind the founders, the founders are up no matter what. If that eye popping valuation gets cut in half, gets cut by two thirds, they're still making a ton of money. Yeah, they got the secondaries and so forth, and and they already made. I I I tried to make. 
I tried to make that point like three or four weeks ago, or one of the podcasts. I think you said it far more eloquently than me. But uh, yeah, these valuations are going to have to correct, yeah. right? Because all these companies that went out and and raised all this money at these insane valuations. Yes. And 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 actually, we're looking at this real time. Companies like Scopely and Jam City, right? They're in a situation. They've raised so much money. Their valuation is so ridiculous, right? That they have no exit. There's no way of getting them liquidity right and so ultimately I, they can't do a down round i mean they may be i don't know they wouldn't, they wouldn't. it's they gonna wouldn't. be really tough yeah and, and isn't yeah, jam city they, they have too many investors jam city sold to net marble right no. no they raised money they no, they have a they have they piece. tried to spac and then it, yeah they they despacked and then uh and then they raised money to do that they bought ludio yeah Right, yeah. and that, that's actually interesting. I mean, we're kind of all over the place because with the crypto, we said Jam City, and there was an article with uh, James. What's his name? James DeWolf, uh, the the CEO of Jam City, DeWolf. Uh, Matt, Mike, Matt DeWolf. Matt DeWolf. Matt DeWolf. Yeah, he was talking about uh, blockchain gaming, and it was interesting. Not in the sense that what he was talking about blockchain gaming, but it is quite interesting. Like, what's the perspective in the company? Let's say I'm working at Jam City. I'm I'm working on Cookie Jam, or I'm working on Panda Pop. And essentially my, you know, CEO is, is like right over there talking about blockchain. Like he doesn't care about this stuff anymore. Like he wants to, you know, be a crypto bro. And it, it's a, I don't know if like, it, it's, it's like interesting. the day in the life of working at Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because this is the organization that has to execute on that strategy. And if the company is not bought in, if they're working on, you know, the existing legacy portfolio, essentially what makes the money, then then what's the consensus and what's the how can you make how can you make people to commit to this new direction if only the, the sort of a C suit is is bought in and nobody else has bought it? I don't know if this is the case in Jam City. I have no clue. Maybe they're all just crypto sis and crypto bros and they just can't wait to turn all these cookie jams into blockchains and NFTs and and layer twos and layer threes and and, and they all talk about the tech. But you know, it's it's an interesting part. And that kind of huh. is a segue to what I'm gonna talk about next, which is huge games. And there was a piece of news that Huge Games has had appointed an industry veteran, Rod Cousins, as a co CEO. Now Cousins has already been serving as a member of the board of directors for the Polish, well, it's Polish-based mobile developer and publisher, and he's been a senior advisor at Rain Group, which is one of the, I don't know if it's one of the biggest shareholders, but one of the prominent shareholders of Huge. And now he takes the role as a co-CEO alongside founder and previously the sole CEO, Anton Galfin. Now, Cousins has previously spent two years as a chair CEO of RuneScape developer Jagex. He left at 2017 and since then has been advising and in part of the uh, Rain Group. And prior to Jagex, he spent actually a decade leading Codemasters as a CEO and also had chief exec roles at Acclaim Entertainment. So very senior executive, even though he hasn't been, you know, in active positions since 2017, but more on, on the boards. Now, Anton Galfin, who was previously the, uh, the sole CEO and current co-CEO, uh, I, I can only describe him as the sort of a European version of Mark Pincus, just because he's, you know, super hungry always and never satisfied, always going forward, super energetic. And when I say Mark Pincus, like I know some may take it as a, as a diss, but for me, I just mean utmost respect. And I, I also say not not only because he's a, he's a friend of the podcast, 
he's a close buddy of mine and he actually lives not that far away. So I want to be a very respectful in that sense as well. Now, Anton has a senior executive at his side who represents major investor. And that executive is brought to steer the wheel together with him, as I understood. So let me analyze a little bit this news. And um, I know that Anton is listening to this. Uh, he's probably on his assault bike, so <laughs> I want him uh-huh. to keep the RPMs. He's fit. He's, fit. he's, he's fit. super fit. He's like a he's, he's the fittest CEO. Like he uh-huh. would give. Uh, what's the uh, we'll take two CEO uh, Strauss? Strauss? No way, yes. dude. Strauss? No. no, 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 no. Anton's no. fit. I, I, Anton is super fit. I wouldn't know who to put money on. He's got less hair. <laughs> well, that's true. More more aerodynamic. Uh, <laughs> exactly anyways uh less about less about the looks um so sorry for interrupting this podcast but i got an important message it's about increasing your game's revenues i bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40 percent revenue boost well you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro/dof or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. Okay, where was I? Okay, so huge stock post IPO hasn't really had the smoothest rides. I mean, it started with 20 zlotties, so it's it's listed at the uh, Warshelf Stock Exchange. It was a 20 zlotties. Now it was down the most at 17, that, not that much, and now it's 18.5 after the announcement. So not really terrible in any way, but of course not what the investors expected to be because everybody wants their stock to go up, especially uh, during the uh, the COVID bump. Uh, and and overall, the stock performance is quite in line with companies like SciPlay or Playtico or other social casino companies. Um, the problem is they haven't done any meaningful acquisitions post-IPO, which was expressed as the company strategy. They said the strategy was build and buy. And another thing that you can find out is there's been, I don't know if an exodus, but a couple of key people have left the company in, in terms of C-suit. And also when you read this announcement, Anton has expressed his interest in Web3 and blockchain. I'm going to quote, his experience and support will add value as we continue to develop our current games and our publishing portfolio, as well as explore the potential of innovation in gaming, specifically Web3 and blockchain technologies. So, you know, one, I don't know if this is my opinion, but once you start exploring and especially believing in Web3, I imagine it's quite hard to take your focus back on the sort of a current business. Of course, it's, it's, it's interesting. You're doing it, but but you kind of want to do the next thing. I'll give a shout out to <laughs> shout out to Anton. Um, very smart, very smart guy. Uh, very humble, um, and uh, and just an all around good guy to know. And I think this is a huge get in terms of recruiting an exec. I mean, this is a huge get. Agree. Yeah. It's just the, the next know. stage of this like, company. Like I, I I get it, Chris. Like <laughs> you you have issues with the the IPO. 
Um, but I think this is just kind of a natural stage through through their time as a company. And I'm not. I've been talking about this for yeah, I know. Since this podcast started, yeah. right? Like yeah. you cannot have a company that's public that has three or four games in the same genre, right? Like that doesn't work. SciPlay, Playtica, uh, Playtica is at least a little bit diversified, but SciPlay, this company, that you know, I mean, it's just it's never going to work, right? And 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 the execution is about diversifying outside of social casino, and so. I mean, I can go out, I can talk about this for 45 minutes, but I'm not going to do it. But the, the fundamental problem with diversifying outside of social casino is social casino fucking mints money, right? You can't replicate that shit in other games, puzzle, whatever, right? And you don't have the expertise to build RPG or strategy or whatever. Like you're in a really tough spot, right? Because even if you're trying to green light something, it's always going to be measured based upon how social casino does. And that that yeah. business is just too good, you know, in some but this ways. But this still so, sounds like an emulation of what Playtika did, which I don't think I would knock Playtika. Yeah, no. It, like they they, well, they just obviously Tika, didn't build those puzzle games internally. Playtika went out and acquired uh, Wuga and Seriously right. to, to get those games already well, operating. That, right? But that's the difference because they, the, they had the cash to do that, right? I mean, they were, yeah, they were operating at a, at a larger scale, and that, that's what you have to do, right? And so then at a smaller scale, exactly. you have to go and buy startups. That's much riskier. It's not a cash flow play. That's a, a, a roll of the dice, right? course yeah yeah you're you're a vc you're not like you're not buying operating entities you know and and where are they based they're like in they they have multiple different studios so they have poland they have a helsinki studio that is pretty new one they have multiple aviv was a big one and they're also but 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 they're also on the polish exchange right which also limits their ability to raise money as well right if they were on the u.s exchange it'd be easier like in theory to raise significant amount of money to do investment yeah it's like Look, it, it, this is all part of the exuberance of the time, right? And that, you know, everyone's trying to cash out, right? And, and, and you know, make a big splash. And so they went yeah. for it. And, but and they did They did few, it, few acquisitions. They just didn't pan out. They weren't that big of an acquisition. And at the moment when they were doing the acquisitions, when they IPO'd, the prices were also at the all-time high. And that, of course, makes sense because they were able to IPO quite successfully. So that also probably limited all the companies that they were able to buy because I think they IPO'd in early 2020. Was that the uh, the case, or in no, mid 2020? No, no, 2021. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It must have. That been. was. Yeah, that was really frothy. And then, and then at the same time, when the stock is not going up, and it's just like with with all the incentives, then you also see people perhaps leaving, but their stock. Dude, but look at the data. The data. Their, their revenue is falling. No. Right. Like you. You can't be a growth company and get growth multiples if your revenue is falling. Exactly. Right. And, and so, and that and that's kind of like my summary. Like, my summary on this is like when the strategy was to build and buy, they they you know objectively failed to do both. Uh, they they failed to grow their existing franchise. They failed to to buy the new franchise. The market changed radically. COVID bump, ATT slump, blockchain gaming. Anton is based on the the uh, the article. He's interesting. Web three. So instead of a COO, he gets a new co-CEO. And that's an interesting take on it because it kind of indicates that that Anto will be freed up to do uh, a meaningful portion of the business, which I believe will be blockchain. So I think there will be an announcement sometimes soon that that uh, Huge is going to move in a, in a huge way into Web3. You know, but <laughs> the other more cynical mm-hmm. view on this <laughs> is that maybe Anton's leaving. Right, because if if this co CEO comes over and takes over, you know, this publicly traded company, maybe it gives him the ability to exit. Yeah, 
with a little I, bit. I think it depends on potentially. Where, so. I mean, that's a possibility as well. I mean, Anton is uh, highly successful. This is not even his first company. Uh, and um, I mean, yeah, maybe he wants just to go out and be an entrepreneur in, in Web3 yeah. blockchain fucking avatar you know what other fucking blo- that could be and he'll, he'll be successful <laughs> yeah, at doing know. that as well now let's move on but this is fantastic it, so so just to clarify so the ipo is february 2021 yeah right so it's like a year and what three four months um and it was the biggest games ipo in european history oh sorry the largest mobile gaming ipo in european history right so when they so float, when they initially when they initially uh listed they were bigger than Rovio, bigger than any other public gaming company, mobile, mobile, kind of mobile first gaming company in Europe. And they're still bigger than Rovio. Who isn't? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, right. oh, oh, wow. Come on, Chris. Oh. I told you, he's okay, going to so, uh, roast everybody. <laughs> so I've, I've got uh, three quick updates. So uh, one, I got actually got really great feedback last week. So I had my little rant um, about metaverse and interoperability. Um, about things like genies and it was great to get reach out from people that really made some strong counterpoints. So all I want to say is, is thanks, especially to Mr. Tamara from uh, Mission on Mars, uh, who actually posted a great video recently about a very realistic and thoughtful approach for blockchain economies. So it actually mimics a lot of what Sufert wrote in your blog article um, about learnings from Ultima. Um, so I definitely yep. recommend checking out that video. We never um, we never covered it, and I don't care anymore. But uh, Richard Garriott, well, I was going to cover yeah. it last week. He's doing the Ultima yeah. with Web three, right? I'm yep. so I, I hope he read my article, and and that's what inspired <laughs> him. <laughs> you know, he lives in dude. He, you were you were his inspiration, Eric. Like you're the one that like look, look, look basically the, his article plan. Like again, MMO designers are actually one of the <laughs> better placed teams. To go after NFT and block. Yeah, I agree. Because I feel like his article is actually a very uh, reasonable 100%. take on how to, to build uh, an economy. So, well, what if, what if they're the only vertical that can chase that opportunity? Oof. Oof. Whoa. Ooh. I'm just saying, what if? I'm not Dude, saying it is. How old? What if? Richard has been out of the game for so long. I don't well, know. Yeah. How yeah. old so is he? So, it doesn't, it doesn't pass the Sufert test, hasn't shipped a game recently enough to, to get the Sufert seal of approval. No, Richard uh, Garrett, I would, I would, I would bat. He's, he's I'm, just, I'm just shitting you. I'm just shitting you. He's 60. Dude, he's 60, but he hasn't been in game development for 40 well, years. No, 40 no, no. Because, well, he, so that was, that was what I was curious about. Because I remember the last kind of touch point I had with what he was doing was this Tabula Rasa project, which I guess got canceled like five or six years ago, right? Adam was the one that pointed that was out. like 2009, wasn't it? Oh, right. The last time I was even aware of what he was doing was 13 years ago. Okay. Well, anyways, um, also, uh, JK actually had a great newsletter this week. Um, so, of course, on the back of the news that he raised $10 million in the Series A, um, actually was like a great eye-opening um, article about like just how how much despair went into that process and how much uh, difficulty they had making that raise and how many learnings they got. So I think it's a great article for people to check out. Um, that's even with a team with like JK and Paul Layden, like still struggling in this in this climate, which is still pretty strong. Um, so uh, definitely recommend reading it. Um, and it, obviously we're biased on the, on the podcast. We're, we're cheering for JK. And I think his vision for taking the shooter space is very, very smart. So they have the talent density. Um, and I think JK is a master operator. 
think it's just an artifact of the startup market that somebody like JK ends up spending all of his time doing salesmanship and actually just building a good game. It's, uh, um, it's, 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 it's hard right now. I mean, a lot of just generally, I think people are, well, I don't know. It depends. It's kind of like best of times, worst of times type thing. Like if, well, anyway, I, I won't get in there, but wait, um, there, there was COVID bump, right? There, there is this huge thing. Yeah. Now I think we're coming off. I still think it's good, but I think blockchain has huge effect on everything. Like it, it, it really depends on what investors are buying and what's hot right now. So when when the numbers on mobile are coming down, and when when you know the ATTs and all the elements are coming down at the same time, these crazy valuations with three, and you you see the funds being raised against the crypto, like the crypto funds with the game within gaming funds and with other funds. So it really is what the investors are buying, and if they're not buying exactly what you're selling, you have to sell twice harder. And really or try to position your valuation. Yourself. Yeah, or cut yeah, your valuation I mean, exactly. So the thing is, though, like I love it because crypto distracted everybody, and like the boring mobile games category, the valuations dropped pretty substantially, right? And so, like you know, I've seen great teams with you know strong pedigrees come out to market, and they're raising like you know a million, two million, right? And whereas you know, eighteen months ago, mid mid COVID, you know, sort of peak, they would have been raising six, seven, or whatever. Um, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but like the valuations have come down a lot. And so, um, for people that really know the space and, and feel like they have a competitive advantage in investing in these types of companies and identifying good ones, it's great. It's great that web three sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the room, but I just want to point something out because it's interesting. So Richard Garriott, he lives or he lived in Austin, um, and they built Ultima online here and he built a castle. He was living in a castle at one point in Austin. And I was just reading about it, uh, going down the rabbit hole on Wikipedia and someone tried to rob him, like some deranged fan broke into his castle in 1997, and he uh, Garrett held him off with an Uzi. <laughs> what? <laughs> he called the police. He was like, "Freeze!" <laughs> Why did he have an Uzi? <laughs> That's Texas. Anyway, That's so Texas. Wow. That's okay. Texas. I, I have Texas. no idea how to segue to the next segment. <laughs> uh, one thing we actually totally missed this. We had a bet. From like Twig 128 on League of Legends, Wild Rift. Do you remember that? With uh, uh, Joe yes. on the podcast. So, Miska, you were 40 million. I was 50 million. Eric, you were 60 million. Joe was 80 million. So, he said, March to March, no China, no Japan, no Korea, no Taiwan. So, it was just the West. The actual amount, 52 million. I went, Winner! I win. What? No, I win. Maybe 52 no, is closer to 50. What that no, you do? Over. It's not the closest. Can't go over. Dude, this is Jeopardy you can't rule, go over. dude. Or whatever the no, fuck, you can't dude. Go over. No way. Oh, you can't, okay. can't go over, dude. I okay, win. Dude. There you go. Chris Woo. wins at 60, even though he's closer to me. Uh, anyways, I, I, dude, 29 million in Dude, this is a great. This is a. I, I thought we were duped. Dude, this is a great call. The biggest IP in the planet for fucking MOBAs just dies on the vine, you know? Okay. <laughs> I mean, that was a great call. All right. Anyways, right? 29 million insoles. So actually not that crazy for the West. $1.80 RPI. So the RPI is what's surprising for MOBAs on mobile, right? Like I think we all, when we were doing projections, we were like, eh, you know, this thing could get to like 40 million installs. We'll give them like a, a little over a dollar RPI. Uh, and obviously we, we underestimated on, on or overestimated on souls and underestimated on the RPI, um, especially considering just how much they were giving away. So what this probably suggests is that they've got that good retention underneath. You know, they've got room to grow from here. This is only the first year of a live service. Um, probably this is not matching Riot's expectations, but at the same time, you know, whatever. 
right? They're, they're still going to be growing from here. Wait. The, the installs, obviously, is the challenge in the West, and this does not include all of the opportunity that they've seen in Asia. So they've got plenty of growth there uh, in Asia. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, my God. Hold on a minute. I'm just uh, I'm going to try to destroy your whole thesis. <laughs> <laughs> on the oh, fly. Okay. All right, never mind. <laughs> if you take out China, yeah, yeah my, you're an... That you're, you sound like a moron, but if you put in China, it's all good. Exactly, right? Like, but we, we made, we made the bet without China because we did not know what was going to happen with the um, the approvals, right? That, but that was the point because we 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 were making all these points about like, can a MOBA actually succeed in the West? I think we all kind of said probably not. But for Wild Rift, it right. did absolutely fine in China. It's still going to do great for for Riot. Um, yeah, it's just it's not going to. It is killing it in China. Yeah. So good, good for them. Well, not killing it. It's it's kind of going down, but bam, they're doing like twenty million a month, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. Even still, all right. So now, but 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 based on the the P and L in the West cannot be profitable. That's my that's my thing. They're gonna hit riots. Gonna hate me, but I, <laughs> no way, dude. So right, moving let's on. move on to the actual big article this week. Super. Yeah. Microsoft. Um, Microsoft. From Insider, Microsoft reportedly wants to bring ads to free-to-play Xbox games. Um, so I'm just going to quote, Microsoft is reportedly working on a program that will let brands showcase advertisements within free-to-play. Wait, actually, this is the quote from the, let me, hold on. Okay, Microsoft wants to let advertisers place ads inside free-to-play Xbox games, and it is currently identifying ad tech companies who can create the in-game inventory and work with ad agencies to place the ads said two people who are involved in the talks. This is from Insider, published April 15th. Uh, quotes me at the bottom. Thanks, Insider, for reaching out. Um, okay, just a couple of thoughts, right? So we talked about this a while back. This is not actually what I said I thought they should do, right? I said I thought they should integrate ads into like a content fortress, right? So that means use that to cross-promote their own titles, right? Cross-promote users across their content, and then give devs the opportunity to sort of like tap into that engine to serve ads in their games, right? It sounds like all they're doing is the latter part, which I think is like probably lower value, right? That's just, uh, my sense though is it's smart, right? Because I think what, what Microsoft has is they've, they've created like a sort of worst of both worlds situation. They, they create Game Pass, right? They've got the Game Pass system, with mo which most devs look at as like a race to the bottom, right? It's just so you're giving away free content. At some point, consumers expect free content, so you got to give it away for free, right? And it's just going to hurt the proposition of selling stuff at a premium price point. So you've got to create uh, these free-to-play, essentially free-to-play products because they're going on Game Pass. But a lot of these devs don't really know the free-to-play model that well, and Microsoft doesn't provide that many tools for them to monetize free-to-play games. So you take a premium product, you make it free, you get some cash payout from Microsoft, you're making less money than you would have made if it was a premium product, but you don't know how to make it a free-to-play product such that you make even more money uh, than you would have made with a premium product, right? Now Microsoft is offering up some of the tools, but I think they could offer up all of the tools, right? So one piece is, yeah, let, let devs at, uh, uh, sell ads, right? That's just a secondary revenue opportunity on top of the rev share that you get with Microsoft or the upfront uh, you know, sort of licensing payment that you get. So Microsoft's expat, the Game Pass, uh, the Xbox Game Pass um, business model is kind of weird. It's kind of hybrid, right? They've got the Netflix style, here's some money, make content for us approach. They've got a rev share type approach. And then they've got a mixed approach where they'll say, okay, well, we'll give you some rev share based on usage and we'll also fund development a little bit or just write you a check, right? And so the thing is with the usage-based uh, uh, rev share, uh, you know, 
just just adding ads on top of that creates like an, an an extra incentive, I guess, to go Game Pass, right? Because well, we'll get a rev, we'll get a rev share if our product is successful, um, or we we shift from premium pricing to X uh, to Game Pass. There's an opportunity for us to add a little bit of revenue on top of that. I think the real unlock here is if they say, hey devs, we're going to build out a whole system. You can personalize offers to users inside your games. You can, uh, you know, in a real sort of like free-to-play implementation, and we'll give you all of this logic on the back end to help you uh, serve ads and monetize people that aren't going to monetize directly with DLC. You can build a real, we know you don't have the tools to do this because most AAA console devs don't, right? But we, we'll give them to you. We'll, we'll, here are the tools to make a sort of like bona fide free-to-play game, and the economics of that could be much better than this worst-case scenario of premium game gone free. Right, premium game gone free is never going to monetize as well as premium game for premium price, and it's never going to monetize as well as like a bona fide, you know, uh, well-built freemium title. It's the worst of both worlds. We'll give you the tools to make a really uh, uh, performant, commercially successful free-to-play game, and we'll just so we'll transition Game Pass into that. It's it's free-to-play gaming uh, that people get access to with the with the subscription. Right now, I think that would be the better approach. What they're talking about now, though, is just letting a select kind of vetted group of brands advertised in a free-to-play games. Microsoft's saying, or some anonymous sources are saying, Microsoft won't take a cut of the ad inventory. They just want to create this um, as, as a benefit to developers for going to Game Pass to incentivize them to go to Game Pass. My understanding is that Game Pass doesn't make money for Microsoft right now, um, but that they see like there's value opportunity in, in the long term. This, to me, is, is good. It's create that carrot to go to Game Pass. But I think you need to you need to make that carrot um, even bigger and even more helpful, and 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 allow devs to really monetize in a free to play sort of native way, and not just throw ads into the sort of premium experience that's gone free. Can we can we just discuss quickly like what the execution looks like on this? So like if you're if you're mid 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 boss fight at, on Elden Ring no. and like you're in this the no. second. Second mode, no. are we going to see an interstitial when, with an ad? No, that's, no, not, one, that's one, not what they're talking no. about. One weird right, thing, so, like, <laughs> Super, you're, you're kind of assuming that the free-to-play games are in Game Pass? Well, this, they this could be, or they might... X, yeah, yeah, like, this just sounds like any free-to-play game that exists on Xbox, yeah. whether in or out of Game Pass, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, can yeah. access this ad network. Right, yeah, yeah but so, there so, aren't that, I mean... So it's not an added, it's not like an added incentive to go into Game Pass, but... Because the, the question, I guess, from, from my end is, like, is this... Is this a premium game, right? Like, is this Elden Ring if Elden Ring existed in Game Pass? Yeah. Then allowing the developers to add ads to their Game Pass game, right? Right. Well, that's so that's what we don't know because there aren't a lot of details. Again, Microsoft didn't confirm this. This is just reports from these are going to be people, right? This is this. This, this sounds my, like a totally intentional leak, by the way. This is yeah, just like them my, fishing this, for fit, fishing for like how much backlash they're going to get, and then then go but, oh. But that's what Dude, I. But that's I, that's what I said when we brought this up the first time. I mean, they were talking about it in last earnings. They said we're going to expand our advertising efforts. Right. So, I mean, it was pretty obvious what yeah. they meant by that, I think. But, but so, Chris, to answer your question, no, it doesn't sound like they're going to do like interstitials. What what they talked about in the article was the, the example they gave is like you're playing a racing game and there's a billboard in the background and the billboard could be filled with oh. an ad for a brand. Or like oh, a billboard on like we the did, side we of did it. this 20 years ago. We did this 20 years ago. It was a fucking disaster. Goddamn disaster, dude. Coca-Cola commercials in fucking Battlefield 2042. Ridiculous. Are they? Are All they this actually, is ridiculous. This it's Coke like, ads in 
2014. Yeah, there were Obama ads. It was brutal, ads. dude. It was brutal. There, there were Obama it, ads, actually. The, the problem with the interactive, the problem with engagement and stuff, games like this, is that you don't want to be pulled out of of the of the fiction of the of the world, right? With this bullshit, dude. Don't do it. It made sense for sports. We did it for Need for Speed. It all was a big fucking train wreck. You couldn't sell the inventory. <laughs> it was like it, it was. It, it caused technical glitches yeah. in the gameplay itself. It's like you're just pulling people out but, of the experience that you're trying to but, provide. It's like a fundamental problem with interactive. I, I was I was at EA but, Sports when like you were putting the little billboards around the edges of the rink, right? Yeah. Like in, in NHL. Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. I could be, <laughs> but i so, so the reason the reason that this one really triggers me a lot is because I've been listening to people talk about this for like the last like six months at, at, at Sony and, 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 and listening to Eric a little bit. It's like, dude, this has been done before. Right. You know, like all these companies are starting to come up that are, are trying to take advantage of this stuff. You know, dude, we don't want this. Like the customer doesn't want this. Like I guess on the free to play side of maybe, maybe there's a carve out there, but like on a premium side, no, this is not what people pay $500 for a console and $70 for a game. To, to experience right and i think I, I think yeah you're right i think they're testing the waters to see what the reaction is going to be and i think it's going to be bad but, they, yeah. they're, so, but they're not talking <laughs> they're not talking about this for premium games so but to adam's point yeah they said free to play but there aren't that many you know the, the, there aren't that many free to play games outside of game pass no. right so like really i think what they mean is game pass i, I mean i could be like there's no de- there's no detail right all they uh, there's a leak and that said they're going to do I, this but we don't know anything about it i Right, and I think I, I think you're good to point it out. I think it's something we should definitely monitor and see what happens and see what Sony does because they're well. No, they so do, no. But there's an article today that said they're gonna they're gonna do this too. I know, I know they are because I've been talking to them about it. But like I, I you know, we'll see what the how they do it. Yeah. Right, like that's well, but, but it just, I'm just, and, uh, I, just I, I do want to point out that article. So it was just it was posted 41 minutes ago. It's on Insider as well. Sony is cooking up plans to run ads in PlayStation games as rival Microsoft plans a similar program with Xbox. So, I mean, they're going to, of course, they're going to do it. Of course, they have to kind of be in lockstep on this. Fuck! Heaven <laughs> help us. Stop! All right. Stop I think it. it's a good place to end. All right. Let's end there. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I got to do my World okay, of Warcraft. Do, up do the no? But they could be incentivized ads like with Player One, the sponsor of this podcast, you know, where you can just watch the, uh, the ads. No. And no, get some not, not an interactive. This is the type of medium for ads. You know, this is not, you're not in, yeah. whatever. The CEO, the, 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 the CEO of Player One said my article about Microsoft's ads ambitions was, let me see if I can find it. Uh, anyway, he had very complimentary stupid. things to say about it. No one even mm-hmm. say stupid. No one even say <laughs> yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead. Dave Madden is actually oh, the CEO. Oh, 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 he's actually running these yeah, ads. Dave never. Madden is, is joining the Sorry, podcast in, uh, in a short while. The most sophisticated take on the rumored Xbox, Microsoft Xbox game advertising Boom. aspirations. Boom. Boom. That's it. Dave, Dave, we're friends now. <laughs> now you're promoting. We're best yeah, you're promoting. We're best friend. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do this quickly because I think it's not relevant to okay. most people. But if, if you believe, if you want anything to know about Blizzard or you are a fan of World of Warcraft, then this is for you. All right. The World of Warcraft expansion was announced. And honestly, the depth that they went into was far more than I ever imagined. Actually, it was pretty good the way they actually uh, 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 announced it. It was like an hour long, like, you know, discussion with everybody. So quickly, the expansion is about dragons. Everyone loves dragons. That is a fact. 
Um, Dragonflight is something new in which you, it's a difference between, you know, it's like a combination between flying and gliding. They announced a new race called the Drathir or something, and a new class called the Evoker that's only available in that, that race. There's a big upgrade to calf crafting, specialization systems, talent systems, etc. And then and the, the last thing is they actually are upgrading the interface after like 18 years, so pretty dramatic. Um, and they also announced Wrath of Lich King for, for WoW Classic, which is considered one of the best uh, expansions and my personal favorite. All right, why this matters. First of all, because I love World of Warcraft, so that's why it matters. But also, I think it's a big deal because it is one of the longest-running software-as-a-services games that's uh, trying to find its footing again. And frankly, it's been a bit mismanaged for the last five years, I, I would guess. Um, they literally had no support for the last expansion, which pulled me out of it uh, with no content updates. They basically just abandoned it. And basically they moved everyone all hands on deck to the new expansion um, at the expense of the last expansion is the way I understand it anyway. So what, what I think why this is relevant is like we will see what the second level of Blizzard creatives and devs can execute against a, one of their biggest IP, right? What I mean is that like all the top tier talent is basically gone from Blizzard during this 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 Ragnarok from, you know, you know, Bane and McKenzie. Um, so now they're filling all these roles with like creative people and devs from, from within the organization and from without. And they're working on this expansion, Diablo, Overwatch, the mobile game that if it ever comes out, et cetera. So this will be one of the first tests of like kind of the new world order of Blizzard to some degree, right? Um, after failure, after failure, after failure for the last few years. So, um, and it will be interesting to see if they can execute against the fans of, of Blizzard, but also for Activision as a whole. You know, a lot of this is somewhat moot because of the transaction with Microsoft, but I think it continues to be interesting as a study on the cultural and business change of an established creative studio to see if they actually can pull this thing out. Now, personally, I'm very encouraged by the breadth and changes to the expansion. Literally, just having a new class and race is going to bring a ton of people back. And my expectation already is that this will likely sell far better than the last two expansions even. Um, but again, the key to these type of services is retention and content cadence. And that's what they've misexecuted on over and over again, um, given their challenges. So that, that will be like the key in terms of how, how it actually works. But I do think it'll likely sell better. Um, my birdies basically are saying that they had to sacrifice a lot of content. And, and some of the promised features likely will be pulled out uh, to hit a November release this year. Um, but I think that is still the plan to get this game out because they actually absolutely need it uh, from a business perspective. Um, but, you know, and they will have to step up their content cadence going forward to keep people engaged. And so I'm excited and interested to see if they can do that and excited and interested to see if I have actually a game to play that I can play besides something like Elden Ring, which I cannot play. That's it. That's that's the most that balanced on World and insightful way to to end this episode 179. So everybody, thank you for tuning in. We ranted pretty hard today. You, you, <laughs> this was a ranty <laughs> ranty episode. <laughs> dude, you talk about advertising and interactive, dude. That's gonna get me every time. And mobile market. That, that's that and, is that is. mobile market. Those are all all the triggers for for you and hyper casual games. <laughs> Almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm done with hyper casual. It's, it's, it's over. All right, I need to go and be done with uh, with baby care stuff. So everybody have a right. great week, and catch you all next week. Bye.